0: All right, welcome back to the Hopeless Romantic Critique of the Untouchable Elite. Um, I'm Kelsey Farrell, and I'm here today with a guest named Stella, and we're going to talk about her story really quick. Um, Before we get into that, I just wanted to briefly explain why um, there was like a a lull in the podcast or why I took a break. Um, I ended up losing my job, and so I was unemployed for a while and like dealing with a bunch of stress over that and um, just, you know, it's a lot of work just like producing and recording and doing the whole podcast by myself. And so I just like time got away from me and before I knew it, a bunch, a couple of weeks had passed and I had no episodes. So I just want to thank everyone for being patient and I'm sorry that I'm not consistent, but this podcast is turning into a whenever I have time kind of project and I hope that, <laughs> that you can appreciate that um, and understand like where I'm coming from with that. so. Anyways, um, without further ado, um, let's say hi to Stella.
1: Hello, Stella. How are you today? Hi, Kelsey. I'm doing sorry. My dog just barked. Oh, my gosh. that's <laughs> was all good. the worst timing. <laughs> but I'm doing really well. Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I guess just like do you want to give a like chronological uh, summary of like who you were with and like what went down?
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, I like really appreciate you having me on in the first place. Um, I just out of respect for his family and, you know, my friends that are still involved in the community and, you know, for my own safety, I am going to, you know, keep everyone's names private and totally, stuff like yeah. that. So the like actual information might not be completely factual, but um in terms of timeline and everything else it'll be um as accurate as i can make it so definitely um but i guess so uh, first of all i found you through tiktok i saw your um story and i think it was like it was probably midnight or something. And I like was having a hard time falling asleep. Um, yeah. No one else's fault, but my own, just kind of in that rabbit hole of like scrolling. Um, and I saw your video and I was like, Oh my gosh, a, this is such a powerful story. And B it was like one of the most, I don't want to use the word comforting. Cause that, you know, it's not comforting to hear that other people like, yeah, yeah, I know you- <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess misery loves company, but That just sounds like such an awful way to put it. But I was reading the comments and just realizing, like, how many people have this same sort of story. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in my sleepy state, I filled out your form. I emailed you and to my surprise, because, you know, the video had thousands of views hundreds of thousands at that I was like oh my gosh this is such a shot in the dark and then you responded to my email and I was like oh my god holy shit like (laughs) this is happening (laughs) um but anyway uh I want to preface on the preface by saying um like this is a very like there's a lot of trauma involved in this story so just for whoever's listening um just like trigger warning of like severe emotional, um, abuse and a little bit of physical abuse. Um, so I thankfully am at a place where I've been to lots of therapy about this. So I feel like I'm at a healthy place with it. And I, I don't think I'd come on here and talk to you about it. If I wasn't, I don't think it would be in like, you know, the best interest, but, um, my ultimate decision for doing this is just The fact that it is such a common experience and if I could even reach you know one person that hears this even you for that matter I think it's such an important thing to like bond with other people that have experienced similar things to realize that you're not alone um yeah I definitely agree
0: like and I've just I really have felt like doing these episodes just like I've connected with people in a way I haven't connected with before like I felt so alone and isolated in my experience for the longest time and then like after I kind of started telling the story on TikTok and um, recording these episodes I just was like wow like there's kind of this whole community and like that is like really helpful to me. So, I mean, I hope it's helpful to you as well. And maybe listeners who have a similar experience can get something from it too. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that it definitely is helping me.
1: <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah. If if nothing else, I really yeah. hope that it's benefiting yeah. you. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the longest time I felt, and I know I haven't said anything about my story yet, so I'm sorry. I promise i will get <laughs> to good. it. But like you said, I felt so alone in my, in my story and my struggle. And I thought that it was such an isolating and unique experience. And then come to find out it's, you know, the individual, um, like aspects of the story might've been unique, but the actual like textbook, um, like textbook copy of like narcissistic abuse, like is not a unique experience at all. So it's pretty wild. Um, but before I just keep blabbing on, because <laughs> disclaimer, I do have ADHD. And if <laughs> I'm not reigned and in check, I will go just down a completely foreign hole. So please keep <laughs> me in check if, I, if I'm not answering your question. Yeah. Um, but OK, so I met I'm going to call him Jake. OK, um, I met Jake my the summer before my junior year of high school. Um, and I was, by all accounts, like uh, I don't want to say goody two shoes because you know I like to have fun, but I did not drink. I didn't like really party in high school at all. Um, and I met him through a friend that was like, "Hey, this guy thinks you're really cute," and of course, you know, me being a sixteen-year-old girl any sort of attention, at least where I was in life, any sort of attention from a male was like, Oh my goodness. Um, I have to like him back because, you know, they like me, I have to follow kind of that, whatever that feeling is that we get. Um, and you know, so he was a athlete. He was kind of your stereotypical, like jock, um, like really funny, really smart. Um, honestly, like from the outside, just like a really great guy. And that's like the saddest part about a lot of these stories that I hear is there's not a lot of red flags early on, you know? Yeah. Um, like he wrote me poems. He like told really funny jokes. He got better grades than me, which was like unheard of because <laughs> I got really good grades in high school. Yeah. Um, and The only thing that I remember thinking, okay, we might not match up on like a day-to-day level is he loved to party. Um, And that was kind of just where we got our space from each other, you know, like we'd hang out a lot, but you know, on Friday nights, he might go to a party and drink and I'd go eat ice cream with my friends, that kind of thing. But nothing seemed out of the ordinary Um, at all. And I didn't really see any red flags until about six months into our relationship because we dated for about almost a year. I think it was like maybe 13 months um, when it finally got cut off. But um, I remember the first time I kind of had a reality check was when I was, I met up with him and some of his friends, before a football game. And I'll preface this by saying I went to an extremely affluent public high school in Texas. Right. Okay. And yeah. so if you if you picture Friday night lights, I don't know if you've seen that show or know anything I about know it, the vibe. But, but like Texas football is no joke. And like I was a new kid, I moved from Colorado, so The whole Texas football culture to me was kind of a culture shock on its own. So I wasn't super involved, but you know, I did the high school thing. I'd go to games, whatever, but it was a huge money thing too. That's kind of what Texas football is about is where the money is. That's where the good teams are, et cetera. Um, Okay. Mini tangent, but I met up with them. And when I did, they were all like blacked out drunk And we were about to go to, you know, a football game where my parents were, where like a lot of people that I knew and I didn't want to kind of be seen with someone that was stumbling drunk. Um, And I remember saying, hey, have you been drinking? Like, duh, they've been drinking. And his answer was, no, are you crazy? Like, why would you think that? And I kind of thought he was joking, but he was, completely serious and just thought that he was sober enough to, you know, lie to me about something like that. So me being kind of the insecure 16 year old (laughs) that I was at the time, I kind of just brushed it off and avoided him as best as I could. Um, but of course that turned into a fight, um, that was kind of along the lines of why are you avoiding me? Like, do I embarrass you? And it kind of started to highlight a lot of his, his own insecurities, you know, about like, God knows what, like not being good enough, all that. Um, and so that kind of pattern just continued for a couple months. Um, the like lying about drinking, there was a couple times that I was suspicious about like maybe him cheating on me, but I never could really stand up for myself enough to like get to the root of it. hmm Um, and then finally, like I said, I was from Colorado originally. So I went out of town during Christmas, um, back to, you know, my hometown and that's where we would spend holidays and stuff like that. And so, uh, it was around new year's. I think it was actually on new year's Eve because we were at a new year's Eve party and I was just with some of my friends from home and, you know, he was out kind of doing his thing and, I remember telling him like, Hey, I'm going to this party. Like, you know, I'll talk to you, you know, do your thing, whatever. And next thing I know, I have like 40 missed calls from him because I had set my phone down for maybe 30 minutes and I am freaking out. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, is there an emergency? What's going on? And I check my texts and it's just like text after text after text, um, of like, you know, you're a cheating bitch, like oh my god, you whore, like all this stuff. He's like, I know you're with boys, like just this absolute just ridiculousness. Like I look back on it and I'm like, what in the world? A, me and a million years, like just knowing who I am as a person, I was kind of like, what are you crazy? Like, what is this? Um, so I remember I called him. Cause I was like, is his friend? Cause I had no baseline of like what a toxic relationship looked like. I was like, Oh, his friend stole his phone. Like I was just so naive. Um, so I give him a call and he answers and he's visibly or not visibly, but like audibly just trashed, like so drunk. And I'm just like trying my best to stay as calm as I can. And I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, I know you're cheating on me. I know you're just, you know, who are you with? And I was like, I literally named every single person in the room with me. And we're just sitting around like playing Monopoly or something. It was like the <laughs> dumbest New Year's Eve party yeah. i have ever been to. But, you know, we're just hanging out. And the funniest part is we were at one of my friend's parents' house. And their parents were there. Um... And his dad, who is one of my, like, dearest parents' friends, like, he's like a second dad to me, essentially, was like, is everything okay? Because I was getting visibly upset. And um, Jake on the phone was like, is there a parent there? Like, put them on the phone. I need to make sure you're not lying to me. Oh, my And I God. was like, <laughs> Kelsey, I was, like, so scared. And I was like, had no backbone. I was like, okay. Um, And I walked the phone over to the dad and I was like, I am so sorry. This is so embarrassing. But can you just tell him that like, I'm here and like that what I'm telling him is the truth. And he was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, whatever you want me to say, like, I'll say it. And um, so he talked to him on the phone for, you know, no more than like, 45 seconds and I was just mortified because I could hear him yelling essentially at this dad but not in a way where like he was kind of the scariest part about it is I don't mean yelling the way that like he was yelling at me on the phone he had an elevated voice and it was stern but I could tell that the second I handed him over to some sort of like quote-unquote authority like, someone that he could respect, his demeanor, like, totally changed. Yeah. He, like, so instead of the way he was, like, belligerent and, like, yelling at me, he kind of just, like, raised his voice and was, like, very direct with this dad and it was, like, thank you, sir. Thank you. Like, so bizarre. So, anyway, they got off the phone with him and I just remember, like, turning off, because I had friends there and they were, like, you just need to turn off your phone like just have fun, whatever. So that's what I did. And I remember being so angry that I didn't speak to him for like a couple days. Um, and he called me, he texted me and it was just like profuse apologetic, like profusely apologetic. Um, I'm so sorry. I have a problem with alcohol. Like I won't drink anymore. Like, and for me, Again, being naive as I was, I was like, oh my gosh, he's so sorry. It was one mistake, you know, the whole the whole nine yards, like everything that you would expect from a silly little 16-year-old girl. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I was honestly so embarrassed about what happened. Like it was embarrassing that I did not tell a single soul. Of course, that wasn't that wasn't there at that party. So I think what made it so hard when things actually started to happen is that it kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere because I had kept things a secret for so long. Um, just like about his behavior. Um, so little things like that, um, happened for a while and he would get drunk and, you know, would like accuse me of cheating, like just random stuff. And then it would be apologizing, um, and then we'd be back to normal and things would be good. And he would give me gifts and like all sorts of stuff. So for like, it was like weeks. a cyclical mm-hmm. pattern. Was totally. Yeah. Like very, very, very predictable. Um, and kind of where the power dynamic comes in, not, I mean, not to mention that he's a male and he is physically a lot larger than me. Um, his family, he came from a lot of, a lot of money, obviously. Right. Um, Could
0: you describe like the family background and like how that, how you think that influenced
1: him? Yeah. um, And, you know, I want to start by saying that I still have a lot of love and respect for um, some of his family members. Um, So this isn't a bash on like, you know, I'm, I still have such a dear spot in my heart for his sister and his mom and you know, yeah. even his dad in some ways, because they did do a lot for me. And I remember yeah, you I saying that in your yeah. story. It's of, a really complicated you
0: know. feeling like to kind of like the, the, the people that you love and, and like were so important to you. And yet at the same time, like they do need to be held accountable in some ways. And so it's like, it's really hard to navigate because yeah, I felt this, you know, just speaking for myself and my experience, mm-hmm. like I felt just very much like, you know, this is my family and like I loved them and like like this was like my second family like I like would like stayed at their house so often it was basically my home spent more time there than I did with my own parents you know yeah and I I felt like you know there were certain things where they were they showed up for me more than my own parents did occasionally and that meant a lot to me like um Dean's dad Reed Hastings was so proud of me for how well I did in school. And my own parents were kind of like, yeah, yeah, you get A's. But like, Reed was like, you're like top of the class. Like, you're amazing. And like, to hear that, like, meant everything to me, you know? So I really appreciate that. And like, when I got... Rejected from you, Chicago. It was like my first college rejection. Mm-hmm. and we were going to have dinner that night, and I just like didn't want to leave Dean's room. I was like, I'm not going to have dinner with your parents. I just like emotionally just need to just lay down and be sad. Yeah, and, uh, Reed just like sends me an email. like I got it on my phone while I was like laying in Dean's bed that said, like, "Dear Kelsey, like any college that rejects you is making a huge, huge mistake." And it was yeah. like, signed your fan, Reed. And that, that meant so much to me, like, you know, for him to see, you know, the value that I brought and like, it really, really did. And like, I do have a ton of love for the family and I feel like it seems like all I do is just like talk shit about them. But like, it's not like that. I feel like if you really listen to the episode, like all the way through, you can see that my feelings are quite complicated and like, I'm just trying to navigate them and like in a fair way where it's like. I don't know, you know, there's love there. And I think that's maybe overlooked or oversimplified, but like, I yeah. totally know what you mean about like still having those feelings. And like, it's it's because you love them that it hurts so bad. If oh, you didn't absolutely. care about them, if you didn't care about them, it wouldn't be a big deal. You'd just be like, whatever, like moving on. Yeah, but because it'd be so easy them, to chalk it up to like yeah. a big F
1: you and move on. But yes, yeah,
0: but it's because you love them that the feelings linger and it's because you love them that it causes you pain. So oh, I totally absolutely. understand. Anyways, continue.
1: No, I mean I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, like you said about, you know, them giving you support more than your own parents at certain times, like I definitely felt that way. Um, I mean, I love my parents and they're so great and they've provided for me so well, but in certain areas like they are very conservative, so when it came to things like, you know, premarital sex or like even being curious about certain things like um Jake's parents were definitely like a resource for me in that area and they felt like a safe space. Um
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So I had a very
0: parallel, very parallel experience.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why my bond to them was so strong at that time because, you know, as a hormonal teenager and like navigating all that hard, hard stuff, they were there and, you know, so again, I it's it's so convoluted. Like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of hurt and a lot of bitterness that, you know, I've done my best to work through in therapy. Like I said, as I'm sure you have as well, Yes. (laughs) but, um, obviously I've had to distance myself a lot. Um, but his parents, um, are divorced and that was, you know, it was a very known thing. Like it was never, um, he like, had a decent relationship with his dad, and he was very much like a mama's boy, like very close with his mom. his mom is awesome. I love her so much um, but there was always some i could i could tell from the start that his relationship with his dad was pretty toxic um and not in the sense that it was ever like verbally aggressive or anything like that. But I could tell that his dad had like a very manipulative hold over him. Um, And, you know, I feel like even coming from someone that has a, you know, sometimes a strained relationship with my parents, it's like, it's not easy. Like, you know, anything isn't easy with your parents. If your parents haven't healed from certain traumas, like it'll make any sort of relationship complicated. But that being said, um, his dad had a lot of money. So I think he always tried to keep his relationship with his dad very good because, you know, he provided a lot for us. He'd take us to, like, I I think it was on one of our first dates, his dad, like, wanted to meet me and he took us to, like, a five-star, like, steakhouse and we had, like, a four-course meal and, like, it was it was crazy. His dad got very drunk at dinner, which I remember thinking was super weird and uncomfortable, but at the same time, my parents are kind of conservative and I had never, you know, experienced that before. So I was also very intrigued by their lifestyle because, you know, I lived in a pretty affluent community, but I, I didn't have money like that. Like it just, it wasn't a thing. I, I have four siblings, like, you know, my parents make fine money, but it spreads pretty thin when you have all those kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, his dad, I feel like I'm rambling again. I apologize, but no, all good. Um, where it gets extra complicated because money is one thing, but his dad is a, um, criminal defense attorney. Um, and not only is he a criminal defense attorney, he is currently the number one in Texas, the state of Texas. Um, So, and again, for anonymity purposes, um, I don't know if he's the current. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't want to make anything harsh or weird. And also to protect my own safety, I I don't want to give any more information than that. But I was not super aware of this. Like, I knew his dad was a lawyer. I knew he made lots of money. But I never really understood how um, uh, prominent he was in the community um until a couple years after our relationship um i found out that he you know had defended a kid from our class that was charged with rape and a couple athletes that had gotten in trouble with similar things at school and like that just completely squashed you know it it again it was really hard for me i kind of had to relive all of all of the trauma that i had felt um
0: but it's so tough when you see somebody with power and influence like you know yield that power and influence for like a cause that is like just objectively abhorrent like defending rapists and like you know that's similar to what happened in my story um you know the family basically chose to defend and support their nephew Mm -hmm. um in his you know with all the allegations that were against him and um you know i'm not in their financial records i don't know if they paid this lawyer or not but there's so many indications that they were you know involved like yeah that it's just it's really tough that this their nephew, you know, is just, like, walking free today and did not yeah. face any repercussions. And I know it's because of Reed and, you know, because of Dean's parents, like, you know, taking those steps yeah. to, like, be like, yep, come stay at our house. And, like, mm, he has the number one defense attorney in California. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, it's so hard to see someone you love do something like that, yeah. And, and yeah. that's how I felt about about Reed. Was like, you know, like really, like you, like how can you sleep at night? How do you justify this?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's super conflicting, like you said, when you have like a lot of love and respect for someone, and then they, you start to realize that you know they're the way they present themselves to you might not be, you know, who they are or you know, a whole, a whole host of other things, um, but similar to how you feel about Reed's cousin, um, towards the end of our relationship, um, well, all, all throughout our relationship, um, I had had some, let's just say our sexual relationship was very, Um, like, you know, we, I lost my virginity to him and that was a big thing for me, Mm -hmm. um, as someone who, you know, that, that meant a lot to me. And for some people it doesn't, but to each person it's like unique and their own experience. And for me, that was a really big deal. Um, and I remember being really hesitant about it. And him saying something like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a virgin too. So like we can do it together and it'll be awesome. And I just remember feeling super like coerced into it and then coming to find out that he actually was not a virgin and he had just, you know, said that to basically get me to sleep with him. God, that's awful. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty it was awful. I don't want to say it was like the the straw that broke the camel's back because I put up with a lot. Um, but red flags like that definitely popped up to where sex became very transactional. Um, and it also became a point of contention in the fact that when I would try to break up with him or I would bring things up about you know how i felt that he wasn't treating me right it became a point of blackmail for him because he knew that my parents were conservative um and did not support you know premarital sex and he was pretty i don't want to say he was close with my parents but you know he respected my parents and he was over a lot and he like would text my dad and all sorts of stuff like that and he would always pull the well, you know, I could easily just tell your parents X, Y, and Z and all sorts of stuff like that. And of course me never wanting to disappoint my parents, let alone let them know that I was having sex. Like for whatever reason, that was the end all be all for me. I would have rather died than have them know that. So I would basically just bend to his will. Anything that the second he would bring that up, I'd be like, absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. Never mind, We're good. Um, And that alone um, really started to wear on me. Um, That year I developed an autoimmune disorder because I was so chronically stressed. Um, And so we dealt with a lot of like sexual issues and there was a time where his anger just seemed to get so Like the scariest part is his personality in my eyes really shifted very quickly. It went from like every couple months, something would blow up to every day, something would tip him off or
0: escalated.
1: Yeah. Like anything I could wear a skirt to school and he would text me, not even directly to my face. He'd text me and say, I looked like a whore that day. And we're still dating at that point. Like we are still boyfriend and girlfriend. And I felt so trapped in this situation where I, A, was embarrassed. So I wasn't really telling a lot of my friends about it. Um, It's actually how I got close to his mom, which seems really fucked up. Like, but I would go to his mom and be like, how should I handle Jake? And she would be like, Oh, you know, and, I mean, looking back on it, this is was super unhealthy, but she'd be like, Oh, you know, he just struggles with this, try doing this. And so I would, I'd be, you know, patient and I'd be kind and all sorts of stuff. And it was just, it got to the point where he would start basically, I don't remember what tipped it off. It was like, I tried to break up with him and he said like this relationship isn't over until like I say it's over, like all this stuff. And I remember finally saying, like, no, like that's it. Like I can't, I can't do this anymore. I was like sobbing, crying. And he like came to one of my track meets and like like threw my jewelry at me. Like just oh my it was just like it was just like a huge dramatic thing where i didn't know how to handle it because it was i was in so deep it was like way over my head um and just crazy crazy craziness um and he he kind of like conceded at one point he was like you're right i'm sorry it was kind of like the same pattern that we saw like with new years it was like i'm so sorry i'm such a dick like i understand if you want to leave me like i guess i'll just kill myself
0: oh god
1: and i was like what And then, of course, it turned into, like, if I don't know what I'm going to do without you, like. And this was a phone call at about 1030 at night and he's sobbing, crying. And I was like, where are you? And he was like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you might never see me again. And of course. I'm freaking out. Um, So I took my car and I drove to where he was and he was. Sitting in his truck on the edge of a forest and just sobbing, like inconsolably sobbing. And I was like, you need to tell me like what's going on. Um and he went from sobbing, crying to just like stone cold anger in like a matter God, of seconds. That and it was so like unsettling. the most frightening. At that point, I was like, this kid has mental, like, there is something going on that is so far above my like capacity. I yeah, I just like my brain could not handle what was going on. And I told him I was like I'm going to call your mom. Like I, you need help and he at that point took me by the shoulders and sh- like grabbed me so hard and goes, "If you call my mom, I will kill you." And I was <gasps> like I I literally at this point I'm just like in shock. I and he like pushes me up against his car and i hit my head very hard on the back of his car um and i remember him getting in his car and closing his door and driving away at midnight and i'm all by myself in a dark parking lot in the middle of nowhere frankly yeah. And I drove home, um, went to bed, and the next day at school, I was like throwing up. I was dizzy, and it was during my soccer season. And I chalked it up to, or I this, I told everyone that I had gotten a concussion from a soccer game. Yeah. yeah. And to this day, that's actually I've only told a handful of people. Um, that actually my therapist included, <laughs> but like yeah. a lot of people don't, don't know that. Um, and that's like one of the heaviest parts about, um, the story to me, Jeez, especially yeah. because that was the only instance of like any physical, physical yeah. violence that I experienced. I mean, there I mean, was a couple instances of him grabbing me and stuff like that, but that was definitely the height of it.
0: yeah. Um, First of all, I'm just Which, so sorry that that happened. Second of all, it oh sounds my gosh, like
1: thank you.
0: <laughs> it sounds like also like it would have just escalated because like the situation was already escalating like with the emotional abuse and like the, yeah. the threats, right? Like the and that, yeah. that threat of like killing you like obviously was an yeah. escalation, and yeah. it sounds like it would have just gotten worse and worse, you know? Yeah, if you totally. Had, continue to and, continue to be in that relationship. So
1: It was I mean that's yeah.
0: awful. I'm so it sorry. It was so
1: bad. Oh, I mean I really appreciate you saying that. Um it really it was awful. I'm not going to lie like and I felt so alone in it because I was so embarrassed at how out of control it had gotten. Um that finally one night I um was sitting up in my room and at this point I had gone to my school guidance counselor cause he, we were in a lot of the same classes together. Um, and it had turned into like him, you know, texting me during class. Like if you look at Jack again, like all fucking make your life a living hell. Like, Oh my God. Like, like stuff that, you know, just didn't make sense. And then, you know, he'd go into the hallway after class and like fist bump and like laugh with his friends. So like an outsider perspective I know that he had yeah. he had framed me at least to his friends who a couple of which at this point in my life have actually apologized to me like have reached out and you know apologized for wow yeah. frankly bullying me like you know like like bumping me in the hallway or just like stuff that seems like petty like just like petty yeah. stuff but honestly like was breaking me in high school yeah. like
0: yeah yeah Oh, totally. I mean, so I had I, a horrible bullying experience in high school also and like kind of like a almost reverse of yours. Like I was being bullied by other kids and then like Dean, like my boyfriend was like the only person who would talk to me and yeah. like the only person who would like be there for Oof. me. And so I became like super dependent on him because he was like the only soul at that high school who yeah. would eat lunch with me. Um, but like I know what you just just say like, I know what you mean of like really petty stuff happening, Mm -hmm. but like it is just soul crushing. And it's like, it's kind of dumb. And like looking back, I'm like, what a, like such a silly thing that that person did. But like at the time it was brutal. And like, I understand why it hurt me so much because it was like, you know, you're at that very sensitive time in your life. And for you, obviously, like you were already, you'd already gone through it so much just with him individually and then yeah. to have, you know, his friends pile on, I mean, I think that would just make the isolation part of the experience just that much more intense.
1: Oh, totally. And, you know, I don't hold that against any of his friends. Like, you know, as as hard as it was for me, like, no 16-year-old is equipped to deal with that kind of stuff. Like, nobody understood the gravity of what was going on. And even if they did, you know, it's not, at the end of the day, it's not their responsibility to keep some psycho in check like yeah. I don't know it's it was so difficult to navigate um but um it kind of all boiled down one evening um like after all of this is going on I changed my schedule I you know frankly was like in the worst mental state I'd ever been in I was skipping classes I was like it was my junior year so it was like a really important time for grades and like I yeah. was honestly, just like not well, I ended up dropping out of sports for a while because like I said, I developed all these health problems and I didn't know why. And, um, I remember sitting upstairs in my bedroom, um, doing my homework. And so Jake would find, you know, any way to contact me and he texted me and I just remember him saying, I'm so sorry, but it's done. And at that moment, I knew he had texted my parents. Like, I don't know why, but I just knew that that was the case. And about, and of course I start to panic. And about 15 minutes later, my dad knocked on my bedroom door and he was like, hey, we need to chat. And I remember just sobbing, crying. And he was like, we need to talk. And it kind of turned into this whole like, Like I basically had to divulge all of the information to them because he had texted them pretty much a novel of, and to this day I was, I've never been able to read it. Um, my dad has never shared that with me and I'm kind of glad that he hasn't, but I know that he told them that like we had sex. I know he told them like some very graphic details about where and when and just like stuff that, I wouldn't even want someone that I'm comfortable knowing I'm having like yeah it was just, yeah like, oh my gosh yeah you wouldn't even have
0: your friend let alone
1: like your parents absolutely mortified um and like that turned into a whole other thing just with me and my parents and it was less about like oh this abusive relationship you're in but oh you've been lying to us like this whole oh, no. which you know I've worked past that with my parents and we've had to do our own kind of re like healing from all of that. But, um, I don't hold any of that against them. You know, they did the best that they could with, and to be fair, like I was lying to them about everything. Like I was not being truthful and I was scared and all sorts of stuff. So, but you know, the next day I went to school and he was there. And I just remember like, absolutely like I couldn't I just didn't go to school I just stayed in the locker room all day um and like a couple days later again my timeline gets a little messed up because it was just craziness craziness but a couple days later I remember showing up to school and all of his friends like just staring at me in the cafeteria in the morning and like everyone and again you know from my perspective like everyone was giving me dirty looks I don't know like who knows but I remember going up to his friend let's call him Connor at this point and I was like what is going on like where is Jake and they were like like no thanks to you like he got shipped off and I was like excuse like what like oh my gosh I need to back up I missed a huge part of the story oh my gosh I need to back up okay okay. (laughs) he he did go he did go missing from school and I'll get back to that but (gasps) A couple days after he had completely blackmailed me to my parents, my friends like had a sleepover for me because again, a lot of them didn't know what was going on, but a lot of them knew I just had a really bad breakup. And it was kind of just like a classic, like girls night, you know, we did movie, whatever. And the whole night he was like incessantly texting me again, like being like, where are you? Like, we need to talk, blah, blah, blah. And I just shut off my phone. I just, one of my friends took my phone and was like, you don't need this. Um, and so we had a great night. I went to bed and I woke up in the morning and I needed to be home by 10 a.m. So I got up kind of early and I went to go drive home and my tires on my car were flat. <gasps> they had been slashed. Oh my God. And I immediately knew because I had turned on my phone and gotten all the text messages. And he's like, I'll find you like you're going to regret ignoring me, like all this stuff. And so I didn't know whether to call the cops or call my parents first. Yeah. And so I called my dad and I was like, hey, um, can you come pick me up? Like the tires on my car are flat. And I just remember him being like, you are kidding me. And I was like, no, I'm not kidding. And he's like, well, we can't come pick you up because your mom's tires are flat as well. (gasps) So he, and to this day, I mean, I can't say to this day because I have not spoken to him in a long time, but he denies this. Um, And he said that his friend, quote unquote, Carlos did it. And like, he made up this fake person and said that he hired this guy to come slash our, like all of this, just insanity, like insane, insane, insane stuff. But like we, my, my parents were like, do we press charges? And I was so scared. And I was like, I don't. So my dad called his dad and they had a conversation on the phone. And I remember his dad sending me a text message that said, like, I love you and I care about you, but I will go to the ends of the earth to defend my son. Oh my God. And I was like, we can't press charges. I told my parents, I was like, we we can't like, and that is one of my biggest regrets is I really wish that, you know, something would have happened because right. I just, I mean, he he could be in jail. Like he really could be in jail and- It's hard for me to think that he's just, um, you know, again, it's such a complicated feeling because I have so many good memories with him. And I know you said this about, you know, Dean too, but like for all the hurt that I have in my heart, it's like, I don't want to see him like living a bad life, you know? Um, so flash forward a week and he disappears from school and I don't know where he is and none of his friends know where he is um and i reached out to his mom and she wouldn't talk to me she wouldn't answer my calls um his dad wouldn't text me back and finally like one of his girlfriends um like told me that he had gotten shipped off to one of those like like wilderness rehab facilities Like in the middle of the night, where they just like hire people to come take you away. Oh my God. Yeah. So I did not hear from him at all. Like, imagine like going from someone slashing your tires and threatening you like every single day to just like dead silence for two months. And finally, I get um, a voicemail on my phone. And, um, it was basically him just, I guess he had written a letter to, to my dad, which I have also never read, but it was like an apology letter and all sorts of stuff. And I think he probably wrote me a letter too. And I just don't know if my parents like ever let me, like, I don't think they just ever gave it to me, which honestly, in hindsight is, was probably the healthiest thing to do, but he had left me a voicemail that was like two minutes long. And it was basically just like a huge apology and about how he just needed to get sober and that he had been doing methamphetamines and just abusing like basically any sort of drug he could get his hands on. And I was dumbfounded. I had no idea he was doing drugs. Um, yeah. Oh my God. But like looking back, it makes so much sense. Like it was so, like his behavior was so erratic. It was just like, I mean, and again, like my therapist and I've walked through this so many times. It's like, you can't blame the behavior on the drugs. It only like enhances, you know, what his, his
0: tendencies that were his
1: tendencies. Exactly. So that's one of the main frustrating things for me is as soon as he got back from this wilderness camp, his life kind of resumed as normal. Like he switched schools, but he remained friends with all of his friends, like he was sober and everyone was so happy for him you know like it was like oh you so know, he almost
0: got this like hero arc
1: exactly it was like oh Jake is sober we're so happy that he's healed and better and I'm kind of sitting over here with like all this trauma and all this confusion and just being like okay but what about me and like granted I never really told many people about like what the severity of what was going on but it just felt like this huge thing that was swept under the rug and Uh, I continued you know my senior year I ended up dating someone else and we ended up breaking up because of just like frankly I was just so traumatized that he was not equipped to handle like my own triggers and it was it it destroyed a lot of my relationships for a while at least my romantic ones because I don't think I realized like the impact that that had on me yeah um And it finally came to this point where I hadn't spoken to him or any of his family, frankly, for like two years. I was in college and um, I was in a sorority at the time, which that's another story all on its own. Not totally proud, but (laughs) (laughs) and we were all sitting one night watching TV and um, we were watching the late night show with James Corden and he had this segment called like strangers on the street or something like some like set up dating show or whatever it was like a tiny little segment and I only think they did a couple of them but all of a sudden I see Jake on the fucking tv and I was like what the fuck like That is like the most
0: triggering thing I can
1: imagine. Like I, Kelsey, I cannot tell you. I went into full, like, no, not even a transition, like full panic attack. And all of my friends were like, what is going on? And I was like, oh, I dated that kid in high school. And they were like, okay, crazy ass. Like (laughs) your ex-boyfriend's on TV. Like, and I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, and that was the first time I had told someone like in college kind of about my experience and that in and of itself was kind of healing. Um, but you know, seeing that was just crazy. It was a wake up call for me to like, Hey, get help because it was just not, not good. (laughs) Like my reaction thinking back to it it was a little bit scary. Um, but then also again, to like see him on this platform being kind of like praised for being like this good-looking bachelor um yeah and let alone like part of the segment they like went through his social media like with the girl that they had set him up with to like stalk him or whatever and I was in a handful of like the photo like they had blurred out my (sighs) face but like I it felt so violating because they made some comment about like oh this girl shows up a lot this must have been an ex and I was just and he just like laughed and I was like oh my god Like, just terrible, terrible. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And at that point, I remember going, because part of the reason why I had not heard from him in so long was his dad. Part of, like, our legal agreement, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, was his dad made him block me on um, all social media. Um, Mm. So, like... It's kind of—I don't know if you watch Black Mirror, but it's kind of like that blocked episode of Black Mirror where you don't actually don't watch Netflix. (laughs) But oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Of course you don't. Oh my gosh, literally. I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. it's so
0: funny. I know. it's just like uh, it, it's honestly, it's kind of funny that that this happened and is recorded because like the, that's how people it, don't realize yeah. how frequently this comes up. Like I have these conversations. Literally, with people are like, have you seen? And then I'm like, no. Oh <laughs> you like, but actually, at least I can be honest oh with you about why I haven't seen yeah. it. So instead of just being like, oh, I don't watch much TV. Like, yeah, I God. I just like for me, I mean, I don't know. Maybe at this point, I would be better at handling the the triggers that come up with it but um like for a while like right after the breakup it was very triggering and I started to have like a lot of paranoid thoughts about it because it was like Mm -hmm. there'd be like a storyline that would be like weirdly parallel to my life and I'd be like they're they're mocking me like this is something intentional and I would get like really creeped out and really unnerved and it just was very upsetting to me so I just like stopped freshman year of college I was like I'm not watching this anymore and um I haven't tried to since. Maybe I could try again and maybe it wouldn't be as bad. But yeah. I, mean, I don't really feel like a deep need to like make totally. Netflix part of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, you it have to do what's sucks best for you. Yeah, it kind of sucks to like miss out on pop culture and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But I I don't know. I'm still trying I'm still trying to figure out like, you know, how I wanna navigate that and like if I wanna watch it or not. But I think just for me, it's like the more I can avoid my triggers like the better it is for me okay. and like yeah um yeah so but anyway just a little little tangent oh, oh my gosh, gosh I'm so sorry oh, it's literally. all good no I oh. cause like, it's I know your apology is sincere because I know you understand but like yeah <laughs> like what it's like to have a trigger and so like totally. you know yeah but yeah so, but so it's, he it's you,
1: on on literally everything um so And, you know, me being curious, like I, I have searched him multiple times. I would like go on friends accounts and be like, can you, we've all done that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, like, there's no beating around the bush at this point. Like, of course you're going to stalk your exes. Um, and there was just nothing of him on the internet anywhere. Um, like nothing. So I think for a while it was like this, this thing that I couldn't even heal from because I felt like there was no closure at all. Mm -hmm. And I I remember you saying in your story, that was like the hardest part for you is like, you just didn't feel any closure. And that's so real. Like, Mm -hmm. and then to just like have it kind of a reopened wound in such like a public setting that I had no control over was like very, very weird. And I remember going on Facebook that night and like going to his dad's profile because I was still friends with his dad on Facebook oh, and gosh. that felt kind of like a power move in and of itself. It kind of felt like, you know, and I could be wrong, but it, it really did feel like he was trying to kind of keep, keep tabs on me yes. in a way. Yeah. Cause yeah. every once in a while, you know, he'd like, like my stuff and I'd be like, how dare you? Like, yeah. but at the same time, like you said with, you know, the Hastings, like I still had this weird, like desire of, approval from him. So yeah,
0: like, yes. Yeah. So then like you had, like I bet you have like conflicting feelings of like, oh, he liked my post. Like, oh, he cares about what I'm doing and he he's happy mm-hmm. that I like, I don't know, won my track meet, graduated college, whatever you're posting about. And totally. then at the same time it's like this is so uncomfortable. There's so much yeah. history here that it's just like so like how why are you pretending everything's normal, you know? Um, totally. totally. Yeah, I feel that.
1: But, and I wish, I really wish the story ended there and I could just be like, okay. And that was it. And I never saw him again or never talked to him again. Yeah. I like, it's so crazy. And I've, again, I've had multiple, cause for a while I just thought that like, I was going crazy. I was like, why does this still affect me? Like, why is this happening? And i've had multiple therapists just be like what the hell like what is going on like why is this so crazy and i was like you and me both sister like i (laughs) I couldn't tell you why this is just so insane but so that happened and um you know i had to go to therapy i like really had to work through a lot of stuff and in the meantime i started dating someone else um who I'm engaged to now, which is oh my gosh. great. And congratulations. You know, thank you. I mean, I'm so thankful for him. And we have had, I'd be lying if I said it's been the perfect relationship. I mean, we're at a great place now, but because of my past, like we had to work through a lot, a lot of things because, you know, I was triggered by, you know, someone raising their voice or someone like yeah. grabbing my arm, like just things like that. Um but we were about two years into dating probably. And I remember I'd gone on a girl's trip with some of my friends from high school. And one of my really, really dear friends, um, is like really close family friends with Jake. Um, and so that's always kind of made things a little bit difficult because it's like, you know, you grew up with this kid and you have a lot of, again, it's complicated. Like she has a lot of love for him and but she's also really good friends with me. And I remember we were on this girl's trip and she, I don't remember if I overheard the conversation or if I was just standing in the room or whatever. And she goes, oh my gosh, did you see that um, Jake's engaged? And I was like, oh, oh yeah, Uh, no way. And they were like, yeah, it's to that girl that he met on the show oh my god so they're engaged and they got married oh and his dad bought them a house <laughs> which Kelsey this is the worst part just hold on with me really quick okay, <laughs> so okay. that that in and of itself I was like I was like holy shit like do I message her like do I tell her and then I was like no like I was like, I hope he's actually changed. Like, I don't right. know. I, like, so many things are going through my head. Like, um. So, <laughs> I am at this point still friends with his dad on Facebook, and he posts this long thing about how proud he is of his son and his new wife, and how he's so happy to buy them this dream house, um, on. Let's just call it Smith Street. Yeah. And I see that and I about had an aneurysm because I clicked on the photo and I go, please tell me there's another Smith Street in the state of Texas. Because I grew up on Smith Street. No. And it is not a big street. It is a very like secluded tiny little, maybe a mile long street on the lake in Texas. Oh my God. And I, of course, as we do, (laughs) did a little stalking, did a little sleuth work. And this house is about five doors down from my childhood home and where a lot of this abuse like occurred. Yeah. Oh God. And I just remember thinking like, am I in a simulation? Like, yeah. is my, like, is when, my yeah. player, <sighs> like, just trying to make my life as traumatic as possible? Like, yeah. what is going on? <laughs>
0: and that's, like, when unnerving so... coincidences or, like, you know, coincidence and quotation marks, like, things like that happen. Yeah. it It is so unsettling mm-hmm. and you feel so powerless. And, like, I've had my own moments like that like when I logged on to Netflix like immediately after my breakup with Dean mm-hmm. and it was like mm, your Netflix price is increasing like I was like oh my god this, this this is way too crazy to just be circumstantial like I felt I was like I am this this is an attack on me and my family yeah. and like and I don't know like I don't know. Like it could have just been a coincidence. Probably was. Like it would have been taking a lot of work to make it just my account. But like you know, it was very, very unsettling to have that happen. And I know that feeling of like this is extremely creepy. Like this is like this. The way your skin crawls when something that is like way too weird happens. And I that just sounds like you know you got that feeling and. I'm just, just, Oh, that's horrifying.
1: Oh yeah. It was like, not only like, okay. a and I don't want to say like from, okay. I'm going to say from my perspective, he doesn't deserve that. Like, let alone like having, like, if you have enough money to buy your child a home, like, I can't be mad about that, whatever. But you know, his dad knew where I lived. He is very familiar with where I used to live, like if anyone in their right mind has had you know a a relationship with someone that you even have an inkling of thinking that it didn't end well, like you'd think that you'd be like, "No, I don't feel comfortable buying this home or yeah, you know it it felt like part of my childhood was kind of robbed for me because like that was such a special place for me. Yeah. I love that house and I have so many good memories there. And like, for example, I would love to be able to like take my fiance and like show him around where I grew up. And I'm honestly terrified yeah. <laughs> to just like go down there. and And uh, again, I've worked through that and I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm uh, like, if I go, I go, but I know he has to drive by my house every day. And Oh my God! Yeah, it's
0: there's something kind of like violating about that. Like
1: oh, a hundred percent.
0: I, it just feels kind of like he's like returning to the scene of the crime, and just like living his fake little nice life, and just you know pulled the wool over his his wife's eyes, and is like. I mean, she she doesn't know. I'm guessing, and like, I sure hope she doesn't. I and, really, and for her like, own sake, I yeah. Hope she and it's just bizarre to think of them like just living their life, like five doors down. That's I know. So upsetting. Like, I really don't like that. I'm so sorry. That's like. Oh
1: my gosh. It's, oh it's, god. There's really nothing to say other yeah. than like
0: it just sucks. Just, yeah. I uh, uh,
1: yeah. I don't really there's nothing to say about it. It's just like a fact and it's really weird. And I, that's the part of the story that I feel like I've come to terms with most of it, but just the fact that that is so recent. Yeah. And that like, I have such a soft spot in my heart for like where I grew up, but there's just a lot of bitterness there still. And again, like I don't wish misery on anyone. like, they're living this high life and that's great, but it does hurt. It hurts to see for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, totally.
0: But gosh, yeah. Um, If I could just interject and ask a question here. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I've
1: been blabbing, please. No.
0: Yeah. No. First of all, thank you so much for sharing the whole story. And like, it's, it's interesting. Like, obviously like our stories are different and, you know, go down different paths in terms of like what we dealt with, but you know, there's, mm-hmm. Just, like, I know that feeling of, like, this is way too much of a coincidence or, like, this is... And I know that feeling of, like, when you were considering of, like, should I press charges? And yeah. then, you know, well, you're going up, what, against this number one criminal defense attorney who has all the resources in the world? Like, what's going to... Like, you know, there's no way it's going to work yeah. out for you. And just that giving up before you even try because, like, you can't... You just know it's not going to work. Like, I yeah. know that feeling. And, like, yeah, so I just... um it's weird like having those moments of connection and, and, and like, like you said before, it's like, it's, it is comforting because it's like, oh, it's like similar experience or like we can kind of relate on a few of these points, but then it's Mm -hmm. also like, it's, it's not comforting because it's like, of course I'm horrified that you had to deal with that. Um, (laughs) uh, But I guess just like to bring in more like the power dynamic and stuff of like his wealth, like, do you think that, um, like did he ever like make a point of saying like oh well my dad will just like get me out of this or like something like that like did he ever kind of pull that card or was he just kind of more
1: yeah there were lots of times in the end when you know he was making certain threats about like I'll make your life a living hell like you'll wish you had never like like there was a time where I remember we had gotten into an altercation like at school. And I remember I got so mad, like actually mad. One of the only times that I really like screamed at him, like I just lost my mind and he like turned ice cold and like looked at me and he was like, you're going to fucking regret that you ever did that. And I, that was the only time where like, I was like, oh, he can hurt me. Like he's going to hurt me. And I remember him saying, like, and no one will ever know, like, I'm untouchable because he basically said, like, I'm untouchable. Like, no one can hurt me. Like, literally, the the
0: word in the title of this podcast.
1: (laughs) Untouchable (laughs) elite. And I think, like, I think, like, the only other time where it was, I mean, again, it was like, it was almost eight years ago, Kelsey. So, like, it's been a long time. It's hard for me to remember, like, specific things that were said. Yeah. It's
0: also hard to remember, like, traumatic memories. Like, I have issues with my memory, like, severe issues with my memory, not remembering the order in which things happen Mm -hmm. sometimes. Like, chronology is hard for me to determine. And there are some conversations that were so, like, burned in my brain. Like, I know they're accurate, but, like, Then I'm just like, did the like I'll I'll try to just remember, like, God, like when did when did I start to feel uh like hmm, something is off about this relationship? And then I can't pinpoint it. Like I I have a hard time like deducing from my memories like where it shifted. And like I also spent so much time going over my memories in my mind, Mm -hmm. like or my my fond memories in my mind for comfort that um because I would I I know it was a complicated thing and when I was without him I was sad and so I would just think oh happy memories like happy memory of this happy memory of that and I would like I mean I know this is unhealthy like I'm not trying to say this is a great thing disclaimer (laughs) I feel like I'm gonna get comments that are like what the hell but like I would I would sit there and I would just like imagine us together and I would like go back to a memory of us like hanging out in his pool and then I'd be like what if like he said something really nice to me and I would like imagine him saying something really nice to me. And then over time I would go back to that memory and then I'd be like, wait, did he say that or not? Or did I make that up because I was like trying to comfort myself and trying to like insert words of love into his mouth that he did not actually feel for me or maybe not. I don't know. I can't make claims about like what he felt, but like, you know, just like I would try to comfort myself with like imaginary declarations of love. And now looking back at my memories, I can't differentiate like which is real and which is fake. My bad memories, I didn't really mess with that much, but like my good memories, I would like just pour over them over and over and over again. And I would kind of embellish them with like more love and more compliments and more whatever. And then now when I'm like, Oh, a positive memory of Dean. I'm like, did I make that up or not? Like I cannot yeah. tell you. Um, so like, I, yeah. I totally know what you mean about having like your memories just kind of garbled after a lot of time totally. for sure. But also like after a lot of trauma and after a lot of like, just thinking it, thinking it over like way too hard. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean that totally, I totally relate to that in the sense of I've kind of struggled with the idea that oh am I is this even truthful like are my memories Mm -hmm. correct like am I and I think a lot of that comes from like on it just gaslighting like I was gaslit so hard as I'm sure you were as well and not only from him but from the community a little bit and I can't really hold that against them because they were being gaslit too by Jake so a lot of my kind of uh you know struggles now are oh i'm being dramatic even in my day-to-day yeah. life sometimes i'm like oh my gosh maybe my like interpretations of events are just embellished or you know whatever that may be but
0: like yeah, you said i do you mean of like the community kind of gaslighting you cuz like anytime i complained about my relationship or just tried to be like i'm struggling like I'm struggling with the power dynamic. I'm struggling with like his father saying such and such thing. People will be like, what are you talking about? You're so lucky. You're so lucky. Mm -hmm. Like that was such a thing of like, like, oh, you dated a rich guy. Yeah, You're living the dream. (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Like, oh yeah, Yeah. boo hoo, you dated someone rich. So I never got any like, I guess, sympathy or like, you know, people who really were there to listen. Like it was Mm -hmm. constantly people just saying like, actually, I'm going to invalidate your experience. Invalidate and validate and yeah. And that was very I feel like that was where most of the gaslighting for me came from was just like trying to tell a friend, trying to talk to someone I about the situation, like trying yeah. to share and just people constantly saying, like, you're the luckiest person in the world. Like, how dare you even say that this is bad? Like um, totally. which I don't know if you like if that was like part of what people said to you, but like I mean I'm Not- I, I feel like sometimes the people are like, but you seem so happy. It seems like you guys are so cute together or something like that. But
1: totally. Yeah. I think a lot of, I think a lot of the confusion came from, he was such a good manipulator that like we would have a lot of issues behind closed doors. And then, you know, whether it was like to his rugby team or his friends, he would be like, Oh my gosh, she is so dramatic. She is like, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like I can't, attest to everything that he said but I had a good friend in college that went to my high school and I remember confiding in him about this story and he just like got tears in his eyes and he apologized to me for having certain thoughts about me that he had Mm, you know collected like from that experience like someone who I saw as a good friend, he was like, I'm so sorry. I believed like a lot of those lies about you. I kind of thought that, you know, you were just really bitter about a breakup and I didn't realize that all that was happening. And that was a really like, as something that seems like it would be kind of a healing thing that was like really hard for me to hear because I thought that, you know, if one of my good friends felt this way, I can only imagine how like other just random peers felt about the experience. Um, so yeah, that was hard, but it is interesting to see how different people have different perceptions of, you know, events and you kind of just have to be true to yourself and your own experience. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is like, only you know your truth and like, it's, it's so easy to second guess yourself, but if, as long as you're taking care of yourself and you're really like doing the work to heal, like that's all you can do is to trust yourself and to like trust your gut. Um, and that's been the biggest thing for me in this whole process is like honoring my, my hurt and like honoring that you know people are going to take advantage of you but that's not your that's not your problem yeah because you know you and we were both young when these things happened to us and the majority of these kind of toxic relationships like happen in people's teenage years where people are very vulnerable and like you know we're just doing the best we can (laughs) and some people have argued that for like the male perspective too like I remember having someone um in a college class I like gave a I was in a speech class and I gave a um a speech on domestic violence and I remember one of the guys because I remember saying like you know as a teenager you're just doing the best you can and he said well wasn't your boyfriend just doing the best that he can and I was like oh no no no
0: (laughs) yeah no he was
1: doing the worst that he could (laughs) that's
0: a whole different thing yeah totally um
1: goodness
0: well yeah I I I think it's like uh, yeah I I feel like looking back I'm like why did I like why was I so naive like I I I ask myself that a lot like I'm like how did I just like enter this relationship thinking it would be fine like with no uh, like appreciation for like what this power dynamic would do to us like how did I think like oh it'll be a work out? and like I just was Yeah. And I'm like, well, I was 16. Like I was 16 years old. I did not. I had never read like more than like an excerpt from the Communist Manifesto. Like I didn't have a bunch of theory backing me up on like inequality and like power. I hadn't read totally. social theory. I hadn't, and I hadn't been outside of my, like, homogenous, affluent community. So, like, I didn't mm-hmm. have to, like, question those things for myself either. So, like, you yeah. know, this was my first real, like, slap in the face with, like, this, you know, issue in society. Like, yeah. this is, you know, a societal issue. This is a political issue. This is a socioeconomic issue. You know, and this, it just, uh, my way of, like, learning about this just had to be very, very personal. And totally. um, that just kind of was like, I just didn't know what I didn't know. Cause I was 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, yeah. over the course of this, my story. And, um, you know, I just didn't appreciate that. I mean, I didn't appreciate what it would feel like to be with someone who could do anything to me if he wanted to. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate that. Like, it would affect me for the rest of my life to be with somebody with that much power and like i just did not realize like how it would feel to just be like holy shit like yeah this these people they could do anything they could literally do anything will they or won't they is there a tendency like i mean that's another question but like just that feeling of powerlessness is like prevalent no matter what so yeah yeah
1: um, oh my gosh I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. (laughs) You, you go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say like, apart from, you know, like the toxic relationship, that was one thing, but thinking about how, you know, someone with a drug problem when they have money can just kind of go get like wished away to some like nice fluffy rehab facility and, you know, come away as a hero for getting sober. Like in another case that could very well be you know, a kid that ends up on the street, like a kid that ends up dead because they don't have the resources. And like, that was kind of a wake up call for me too, because I've had a lot of friends. Um, and I can't say close friends, but like friends that I knew from childhood and like all sorts of stuff that have, you know, passed away or overdosed. And it's just a crazy thing to think about people
0: in your community, the power
1: dynamic. Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah. think about it in that way too is that just with a little bit of power and you know resources like your story can be completely shifted um yeah. into like a hero story instead of like you know
0: yeah it would but uh, the opposite like oh it's degenerate like, a like yeah totally. I, I totally i totally think that's that's um yeah. really sadly very common um yeah and like celebrities have like drug problems all the time and then they're still employed and doing their thing and like all this stuff and like you know and they just go to their little rehab center and yeah, yeah it's it's like and it's not saying like oh they shouldn't have the resources of rehab it's just oh my gosh, like other people thought. other people need that too and like we need an equitable society where people can get treatment you know regardless of their situation and the way we've like criminalized drug use has like really you know contributed to this as well because it's like criminalizing poverty And it's a whole, you know, that's like a whole issue in and of itself. But yeah. And then I also wanted to say like, so you're like the third person I've talked to on this podcast Mm -hmm. and you, every person I've talked to is now in like a happy relationship. Like, yeah,
1: (laughs) except me, except me. Oh my
0: gosh. I was going to say, I did notice that from the two other girls. Yeah. And it's honestly like, it's, it's kind of encouraging because it's like, hey, like there's healing to be found or like there's, there's, you can move on and have this like be in your past or like you can, you know, create a new relationship with a new person and like create new happiness with a different individual. And that's like really encouraging to hear. But like, I guess I wanted to just ask like, what was the turning point for you to be able to like date again? And like, how did you like, do you have advice for, like, dating Um, again after, like, going through just, like, a horrible, horrible, crazy relationship breakup experience? You know what I mean?
1: No, that's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of it for me was just having to, like, own my own issues. Like, you know, you can, you can be really hurt and still have to, like, own your own problems because I think for a while, like, you know I was a victim of like a really terrible situation but I had this kind of victim mentality when it came to you know relationships it was like I could do no wrong kind of a thing so any guy I'd you know start talking to or like be in a little fling with or something I would immediately get triggered and just write it off as like oh they're a terrible person they don't deserve my time um but in reality it was more so that like I just hadn't healed and I hadn't owned up to like what I needed to, you know, work on in myself, which, you know, in a way isn't fair because I mean, it's, it's life, but I think for me, it was just really putting in the work and going to therapy and working with my partner to be like, okay, what is the root of this? And how can we move past this together? I think that was a huge thing was finding someone that was mature enough to sit with me in that um in that trauma. Yeah. And not take responsibility for it, but take some responsibility for being in a relationship with me. Um yeah. and I don't know. It again it does take a special kind of person. Like my partner now is like the just light of my life. He is so special. He is just Mm -hmm. like amazing. And like, he's had his fair share of trauma too. So I think just having to work through that together, um, and on my own as well. But I think like, if you're not and again, I'm only speaking from my personal experience, um, but for me until I was healed, um, I wasn't able to form any sort of healthy bonds with anyone. Um, yeah. So whether that was friendships, like I've made great friends in college and stuff, but I look back on a lot of them and I think like the way I made that friend was so like, like toxic just Mm -hmm. because I wasn't healed myself and I let people walk all over me and I didn't have any boundaries. And until I kind of came to terms with my past, I, I, I just couldn't form healthy relationships yeah, like, of any yeah. kind. And again, it wasn't anyone's fault. It's like they none of them were equipped to handle my trauma and I wasn't equipped to handle anyone else's bullshit either. So Yeah, yeah. It's it wasn't easy and I don't think there's like a clear cut answer, but as I think just staying true, like I said, to yourself and like really putting in the work yeah. for you. Confronting like for your, yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And confronting your issues, definitely yeah um well we are running out of time um but I just wanted to say thank you so much Stella for sharing your story and um I mean yeah that was a crazy one I'm so sorry for everything you know that was that you had to endure um but I really appreciate you like sharing it. And I also really, you know, admire the fact that you've been able to come so far, like in in spite of it. And like, it's, it's just like, so encouraging to hear like, oh, yep. And now I'm engaged and like, I'm able to talk about this without crying and like, (laughs) you know, that whole thing. So yeah, just thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And um, yeah, thanks for everything that you shared. Thanks for the advice that you gave just now. Um, And yeah, do you have any final parting thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just I would love to just A say thank you to you. Like likewise, I I really wanna just send you the best um energy and you know, just luck with your own healing journey and you know, watching out for yourself. And I just think you're such a funny and like talented human being And the fact that you're thank giving you. like this platform to not only like heal yourself, but to like just have other people talk through their stuff and hopefully make it a healing journey for somebody else um that's such a cool thing and i think we need more honest conversations about this stuff because i think they say like one in six teenagers um will find themselves like in a toxic relationship or in an unhealthy power dynamic and like that's something that obviously needs to be like ha- have a light shown so i think you've yeah i mean it's really cool that you've been able to do this so just thank you. And if, I guess if anyone's listening and you see any like, you know, red flags or just are struggling yourself in a relationship, like, please don't be afraid, like seek help, um, like protect yourself over anything else. And Um, yeah.
0: And to just kind of add on to that, like anyone, you know, like entering relationships where there are like, you know, these like crazy, uh, power dynamics, like in them, you know, like don't sit there and tell yourself like, oh, I'm just crazy or I'm just overreacting, you know, like listen to like yeah. uh, listen to your feelings and like your feelings are valid. And like people may try to invalidate you by like saying things like, but you're so cute together or like, aren't you so lucky to like date so and so because they're so wealthy, totally. you know. Like we have such a thing in our culture of like marry rich, like date rich, like sugar daddy, (laughs) like all this stuff, like that is like weirdly targeted towards women, like saying like, oh, you're not able to be successful enough on your own, So you better marry rich. Like, it's so upsetting to me, like hearing those, like, you know, comments and stuff. And just like, I, I understand where it comes from. People romanticize like these kinds of relationships, but Mm -hmm. you know, just like really believe in the validity of your own feelings and yeah if something feels wrong to you like you need to like acknowledge that and make space for that and like i can't say if your relationship is going to work or not but like for me like i i mean it was a it was a tough lesson to learn and mm-hmm. um you know i just hope that anyone who's in a similar situation can just realize like what i realized but realize it sooner
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah, and just the last thing I'll say and going off of that, like, in in kind of the opposite regard, like if someone comes to you and shares something like that, like, please believe them, <laughs> like, yeah. please trust them and, you know, give them space to talk about it. Um, and I don't mean that you isn't like you, Kelsey. I just mean like yeah. the general you. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, can Listeners. we women? Like, let's start believing yes, women. women. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great if we could do that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But Definitely. anyway, thank you again. Seriously, I really yeah. appreciate it. And I had a of great course. time talking to you.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I'm really glad it was like a worthwhile experience for you. And like, yeah. you know, obviously telling these stories is not like the easiest thing in the world. So I'm glad that you found like value in it and that it was like, you know, um, cathartic and like a part of your healing journey not just like reopening the wound. And yeah, I just really really appreciate you sharing and um thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to this episode and we'll have another episode next time I can get it together to record one and uh, edit one, etc. but I really appreciate everybody listening and everybody who is opening their mind to understanding you know, the complexities of socioeconomic political relationships and how they affect our personal lives. So yeah, I'm gonna end the recording right here. But yeah, thank you so much, Stella.